Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell. In this special episode of Chick Flicks, we are talking with Sabine Schenk and Anya Merman about their new film, Unintended. Unintended is the story of Leah, a floundering young woman who is forced to contend with her past. When she returns to her childhood home 13 years after leaving it, Leah unearths a long-forgotten memory. As a 13-year-old, she fought with an older kid named Bill in the woods. Bill, a mysterious boy with a troubled family, was shooting beer cans with his father's gun. During their struggle, Leah is certain that she accidentally shot Bill, causing him to fall into a mine shaft where she left him. As an adult, Leah is determined to do what she cannot as a young girl and make amends for the unintended consequences of her actions. Hello, Sabine and Anya, and thank you so much for talking to us today. We really enjoyed the film. So my name is Anya Murman, and um, I wrote and directed Unintended. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm Sabine Schenk, and I produced Unintended. Great. So um, I found Unintended to be a film about how trauma distorts memories. Um, the line, being a warrior or a worrier, really spoke to me, and also a movie about forgiveness. Um, and so I was wondering how aware of these themes you were when you were first developing the film and was it always going to be a movie about trauma and redemption or if it started in a different way and kind of became about that? Um, so I, sh- I should maybe start. Sure. It started, I think that uh, one uh, theme that I uh wanted to uh, explore um, pretty early on in the drafts was um, the idea of abandonment. Mm. Uh, and um, Lucy is abandoning um, the the young boy and um, the kids are in some form abandoned by their parents. And, mm. and that was kind of a, you know, a theme that uh, I wanted to um, explore. So I, I, I think that... Um, the I don't think that um, I had all the the ideas, you know, you know, they just sort of developed, you know, the idea of mm-hmm. redemption and and um, you know trauma and um, and uh, forgiveness and healing, you know, that you know the the I mean for me the way the it's sort of like, for me, it's like almost like a, a karmic journey for these two kids, you mm-hmm. know, that they they see each other, they meet each other, and, you know, you could, you know, they were attracted to each other, so you could think like, oh, maybe they become friends or young lovers, first love or something like that, and then this, um, you know, this um, tragedy happens, and, you know, I, I, I sort of like the idea that they that they actually need each other more than they thought they would to overcome it, you know, that each mm-hmm. one needs the other. Um, you know, I kind of like that idea that, you know, for, you know, you could have thought that, you know, once she found him or knew that she, he was alive, that that would be the end of her journey. But actually she had like, almost like another step, a comic step to do. And that is like, lead him to his father. And, you know, so he yeah. finds closure. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, you know, sometimes in life, it's just like that, you know, like, I, and I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I, I agree. And I, I thought the parent and child relationships were interesting mirrors of each other. 
because both sets of parents kind of when the incident happens, their actions influence how Leah and Bill respond to um, the, the traumatic incident at the root. You know, Leah is kind of swept off to Houston and is unable to to deal with it. And Bill, you know, receives that kind of homecoming from his father where they don't understand what's happened to him. Um, was it always your intention for Bill to be found alive at the end of the film? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, at, we had at one point, we, we actually, uh, when we developed the script, the, um, the mother and Bill killed the father, you know, there was one end that oh, wow. they, they actually killed him. And then, uh, mm-hmm. it, and, um, the way the, the idea of the suicide for me came about, it was just a friend, um, that, um, I had lunch with and her brother had killed himself and it, it was so, for her so unexpected like she had just talked to him and he sounded mm-hmm. like such you know and I hear that often you know from people where you know a, a family member or a friend had committed suicide you know he sounded great and there was no you know indicator that you know he would take his life and you know when she talked about it and then when I came home and I you know worked on the script then I I came up with this idea that I thought oh maybe this is good you know that because when you see um, Bill's father, you know, he's really nice. You know, it's like there's, a, there's this almost this, this forgiving moment, you know, mm-hmm. he's soft, you know, after he was so brutal with him um, the night before and almost um, strangled him. And then, you know, there's, there's a total shift in, in his character. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like for me, in my mind, you know, the father had already made that decision and had made peace with it, you know, that um, that's the way he would go. Yeah, that's incredibly sad. Um, I was also struck when watching the movie, especially in today's climate, um, where we have, you know, victims of assault and sexual abuse kind of very publicly, you know, having to defend themselves in the court of public opinion. There's this great line where Leah says to Sam, who's kind of like her older friend slash father figure, um, he's doubting her recollection of the incident. And she says, why would I make something like this up? And that dynamic where Leah's own memories, she couldn't trust her own memories and had other people doubting the trust of her memories just really spoke to me um, in regards to, you know, the kind, the way we see like women treated nowadays um, very, very publicly. Uh, and was, is that something you had in mind when you were making it this like distrust of her own recollection as a woman or as a young girl that she didn't um, remember things well, what I wanted to explore, because I think we all experience that, you know, with our parents that, you know, um, mm-hmm. that's something, you know, at least, you know, in my, you know, uh, that something, you know, pretty terrible can happen. And your parents are, you know, so self-involved in their own life that, you know, either they misunderstand you or they don't listen to you. And, um, mm-hmm. and so you sort of, you know, because you are not heard, even though, you know, what happened to you is, is, is so traumatic, you know, I think it can morph your your um, idea of, you know, was that maybe, you know, like it was either you, you know, you start repressing it and then, you know, it changes over time. Your memory changes because you don't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, naturally, you know, there, you know, especially in, you know, sexual assault with women, um, you know, very often, you know, they feel very guilty, uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, and they feel like, you know, that, you know, that they were, you know, part, you know, that they were actively part of that or initiated mm -hmm. that. There's all these um, wrong ideas that they create over time and the, the memory morphs. And, you mm -hmm. know, in her case, it's, it's, it's a little bit, you know, she just doesn't know. Um, she really repressed it, you know, deep, deep, for a long time, in my opinion, deep down. And then, you know, that's the other thing that I, I think, you know, when you have um, traumatic experiences, for them to resurface, um, it needs to be the right time in your life. Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, there are times where you just won't be able to actually deal with them or um, they would, again, overwhelm you. So, you know, I wanted to find a moment in Leah's time where she really hits rock bottom and then, you know, and then somehow also um, finds enough uh, courage to then go back and um, and face this and 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 find people, you know, that that are supportive, like mm -hmm. in Sam, you know, for the you know that mm -hmm. she, she has this this person, and I think that that's something that I think we need, you know, in order to you know to overcome those um, terrible traumatic mm -hmm. experiences. I've heard that trauma changes how memories work in our mind, you know, that they kind of um, become more impressionistic and um, altered, kind of like how you were saying. And I think for that reason, film really suits itself. The medium of film suits itself for a story about memory because you're seeing, you know, her childhood play out and then as an adult later. And um, I loved that at the beginning of this film, there's this beautiful depiction of Leah's girlhood that you kind of rarely see in movies where she's so dreamy and outdoorsy, she's creative, and it's a huge contrast to the adult Leah we later meet. But what they both have in common is an interest in discarded things. You know, she's collecting trash as an adult to kind of incorporate in her projects, dolls that she finds on the street um, and such. So to you, what does that say about Leah's character? I kind of had my own thoughts on it, but I would, I would be interested to hear, you know, how that got incorporated. So um, I wanted to create um, uh, a character, a girl that, you know, which we rarely see nowadays, but, mm -hmm. you know, really has, uh, lives this very, you know, she's very connected to nature and lives this very, you know, this freedom and, 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 and where also, you know, the, the mythical things of nature um, sort of, be, can become a reality you know so she yeah she's creative she's very imaginative mm -hmm. and and that then when in adult layer um is also sort of then for me the basis of her nightmares you know that the the beauty of the the landscape that we you know that that was sacred for her when she was young becomes this mm -hmm. um very foreboding um element in her nightmares um and um you know the I think that the the dreamy and creative element of her, yeah, I wanted to to keep that going mm. with the with the dolls and and um, and also with you know that she that she yeah that she makes you know out of these broken pieces she makes something whole you know even if it's you know mm -hmm. patched together but it's 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 a whole doll or it's a whole you know mm -hmm. figure. Yeah. The dream sequence was actually my favorite part of the film. Um, it was so beautifully filmed and it was like an escape hatch for her 
this young girl in this extremely stressful family situation at the start of the film. Um, and I guess from a technical standpoint, could you tell us a little bit about creating that scene and working with animators? Um, I, I just thought it was, it was so beautifully filmed. I let Sabine talk. <laughs> you want to answer that? Well, we didn't really, it was all uh, live action. It wasn't. Uh, oh. oh, wow. Okay. Not the wheel. So, so the so the dolls they were mm. all live uh, actors in costumes, and then and then the dream sequence was the whale. That mm. was was some we did some C, uh, 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 CGI on that. Interesting. So we 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 I mean just from a technical point of view, we got uh, stock footage of uh, a whale. Which mm -hmm. wasn't that easy actually to find because you find a lot of uh, uh, whale footage of whales jumping out of the water or swimming mm -hmm. under the surface of the water, but we needed a whale deep down. So, so we took that image and um, and we we yes we we use computer uh, graphics to to incorporate her and um, mm -hmm. her swimming. Which was also a challenge because to to do underwater photography entails a lot. Uh, we did that in a swimming pool upstate New York, and uh, we had an underwater photographer and underwater lights, and we had to wrap the entire swimming pool in in a special blue uh, screen material. Oh wow! So it was it was a big it was a big shoot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it, it came out great. We loved it. Um, were there any films you were particularly inspired by when making Unintended? Um, we both thought of, we were reminded of at least the um, the tale that came out last year with Laura Dern, where um, adult Laura Dern kind of has these memories resurface from her childhood where she starts to view them differently as an adult. Um, but I can't, you know, it's, it's kind of unexplored territory, you know, uh, movies like this about the the psyche and uncover, uncovering you know trauma but i would be interested to hear if any um kind of influenced you or gave shape to the story not really honestly mm -hmm. not really <clears throat> i mean i'm totally interested you know in this um you know how dreams shape our mm -hmm. you know, our psyche and um our day-to-day -day life and i would like to actually explore that even more you know and mm -hmm. um, but I, they are not really you know, there are not really many, you know, really feature films that yeah. deal with that. You know, sometimes experimental films, I feel, mm -hmm. you know, have that dream quality. And um, yeah, it's no, I, but there's not um, for the way the I really wanted to try to um, portray the, you know, to uh, you know to have to to feel that, that you know that the their relationships you know between parent and uh, and child or Sam and, and and Leah and then also later Bill and Leah I want that to feel honest and realistic and I mean one film that I really like was Russ and Bones um French mm. film you know that that um you know that I, you know I just like the way you know the the director treated um you know the the reality and the the, the characters and you know with a certain kind of honesty and mm -hmm. you know not exaggerated too much 
things. Yeah. You know, I think the performances in Unintended um, are really strong for that reason too. You know, they're, they're very realistic and kind of unadorned almost, you know, in their representations of these, these two characters. Yeah. And that's something that I really like, you know, if, Mm -hmm. if, if, if we can, you know, if you can achieve that through the acting, but it really makes sense to the audience, you know, that you don't jump too many steps, beats, you know, that, Mm -hmm. um, that it feels, you know, authentic. Mm-hmm. And the the character of Leah, as played by Elizabeth Lale, I think is how you pronounce her last name. Um, was there any particular direction you gave her? Because her depiction of someone kind of in withdrawal from her prescription drug addiction um, was, you know, like very, very, like uh, very, like wrenching to watch at times, you know, and I, and and, uh, and a huge contrast from the the character she was earlier in the film, the young girl. And yet there's such a through line between both performances. You know, they, they do seem like the same person still. Mm-hmm. Even with such a huge jump. I mean, Elizabeth, um, she approached the role, uh, uh, physically, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so like she, the way she holds her body, for example, um, you know, she never really st- is standing straight. It's always a little hunched. It's always a little, um, so that's how she started to approach the, um, uh, the role. And then, um, once she found, uh, you know, once she found it, then, you know, she never really lost it. I mean, she was really, um, she's really stayed very much in character. Um, Mm -hmm. It was not, you know, it was not hard, you know, when we started the next day to get her back to that. You know, she, 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 she sort of, once she found it, you know, and we were all happy with it, she, you know, she stayed in character. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And, and I mean, like, you know, actors also surprise you, the, the scene when she breaks down with Sam, you know, and mm-hmm. we, we chose, to, you know, it's maybe not the best camera angles, you know, we, we, was, we were shooting that handheld and, but the performance, you know, became, you know, so strong and so amazing, mm-hmm. you know, and that was, you know, that just, I mean, she was super scared, you know, that was her hardest scene when she breaks down. But, yeah. And, and, you know, and we did that not, um, you know, we did that pretty early on in the film, uh, in the shoot. And, you know, when, when she did that, she was like super relieved. That, you know, <laughs> it's over. The yeah. Hardest, the hardest uh, scene when she, once she's done that, it's like, oh my God, I'm done with that, mm-hmm. you know. Wow. Yeah. I think we would both be very interested to hear uh, both of you speak um, a little bit about your careers and how you came to work in film. You know, um, we're very inspired um, by women in film on this podcast, obviously. And so I would be very interested to hear, you know, uh, just an overview of how both of you came to be working in film. Sabine. (laughs) Okay, I'll start. Um, So... You know, sometimes you, 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 I mean, it's different with different people. Some people, they know from the very beginning mm-hmm. that they want to do, and that's what they're going to do. And, <clears throat> and some other people stumble into something. So for me, I think it was a combination of both. But anyway, I, um, I, I came to New York to study at NYU Cinema Studies, and after that, I um, started working as a coordinator mm-hmm. for for film productions, and um, and from that I started working as a production manager, and um, 
more or less exactly 21 years ago, I found my own company and um, it's a production service company. So I, I work as a line producer slash production service provider uh, for very big shoots and smaller shoots. And um, uh, so like I'm a hands-on producer, so to say. Mm -hmm. So that's that's how I came to this, and and it's from the line producing, and it's only natural to to you know that that my desire to uh, uh, came about that I want to develop and produce my own projects, and then I'm, Anya and me we met uh, in the nineties, and we had something in development back then, but that didn't work out, and. Um, and we uh, we met again a few years ago and started working together. We did a short that Anya wrote and directed, and from that, you know, unintended uh, uh, developed. Was the short uh, Mistress? Yes, we watched that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very nice. It's a very nice uh, short film. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of an interesting companion to the film too, uh, to view at the same time together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, I'm you know I'm a hands-on line producer, and and mm -hmm. I oversee a production from the very beginning. And uh, when I get the script, I do budgets, schedules, I hire the crew, and uh, you know I put everything together mm -hmm. uh, uh, until the final product. We were we were interested in asking you particularly about your role because I think a lot of people understand when they hear writer or director how that person shapes the film, you know, and, and what their input is. But I think producer is a little more nebulous for people to understand. Like, what does a producer do? Is it just money, you know? Uh, but it's it's clearly so much more than that, you know. Yeah, it's much more than that. Well, <clears throat> it's of course you know there are some producers out there who only focus on financing, and then there are producers out there who um, help in putting certain elements together, like getting the right cast and, and maybe they have a contact to a specific uh, uh, actor or uh, a specific other, you know, component. And, and so that's, that's one way. Or then there are the producers who actually put everything together, you know. So, of course, everything is necessary financing is necessary and also to, to put a good crew together is necessary and that's what the producer does. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, overseeing the budget, making sure that that um, the money spent is in budget and doesn't mm -hmm. go over, that's, that's a very uh, important part of what the producer does. But on the other hand, of course, a producer is also uh, involved in the creative process and was unintended. We had all sorts of different ideas until, uh, you know, we talked a lot about different ideas, and then until Anya came up with the actual story, and 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 even even the first draft of her script changed eventually into mm -hmm. now. So and then of course the producers they are in the casting process and. Mm -hmm. um, Locations is a very uh, important part, and and uh, as you mentioned, you know, the, in was unintended. The, the location is a is a is a character in itself. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and Leah, both Leahs are so involved in 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 the in their outside world. 
so you know, and as a producer, you you suggest locations to the director. You say, you know, we can search there or we can search there, and then it's it's definitely a, a collaborative process between the director and the producer. And in case of my work with Anya, it's it's amazing to work with Anya. You know, we have we have a very. Sometimes we are we agree, and and if we don't agree, we find a common. You know, we have both. We put our arguments in, and why we don't agree, and and it all makes sense, and mm -hmm. uh, it's a great process. That's so great, Anya. How did you get your start in film? Um, I mean, I was not like running around with a Super Super Eight camera when I was ten. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, you know, I liked photography and I, I always did a lot of uh, photography, but I actually started studying law and then studied something else and then worked for a radio station and then worked for a theater festival. And there I met uh, film students that was all in Germany and then uh, start working on, 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 on short films. And, and then I decided, and then um, I saw, you know, at that time, so it was the late eighties, um, the you know independent films you know were like super in you know and and also in in Germany you could see a lot of them so you know I saw I remember I saw uh, she's got a habit and um, by um, uh, Spike Lee and um, mm -hmm. and Stranger Than Paradise by Jim Jarmusch and I was really impressed by those two films and then I was like googling uh, not googling because that doesn't exist here. <laughs> I was checking out but I was checking out where where um, they went to, you know, what, what their background was. And then I saw, oh, they went to school in New York and then uh, I applied there. And then I, uh, yeah, I went to film school here in New York and um, and really, really, really uh, enjoyed that. And um, uh, yeah, and then I stuck with it. And, mm -hmm. um, and I made a, um, a feature pretty much right after um, film school, which was... Uh, done in a way it's called with 15 months in May it's also on that um, on shorelight uh, pictures.com you can see it I think it's a great relict of the New York of the 90s <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah and then you know and uh, but I stopped for quite many years I mean not with writing but with um, directing I had three kids and you know as mm -hmm. a to stay in the end in the independent world um, as a female film director with kids, I think it's 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 uh, you need to have superpowers, um, be a superwoman to do that, you mm -hmm. know, because it's it you know you don't make money, um, and um, yeah, you have to feed your kids. Yeah. So, but now they're they're all grown. More oh, that's great! More. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have um, do you prefer to write or, or direct do you have like one that interests you more and the other just kind of is a side effect of it or uh, do you enjoy not really. mm. actually not really I mean I, I I mean while I was in film school you know directing came easier to me mm -hmm. uh, but I think that was also because I was English was not my first language so and um, also the professors um, that we had, they were, you know, they were very visually um, 
you know, lighting and visuals and tell your story, you know, through visuals and not through uh, dialogue. You know, mm -hmm. at that time, that was, you know, it was TV was take, you know, was supposed to do the, the dialogue thing. And, you know, mm -hmm. we were supposed to tell stories just through, you know, the visuals that is, has changed now a little bit. Um, and so, you know, that's really sort of my background and that fit me quite well. But um, I, so, you know, I mean, I think that both aspects are, are really gratifying. The, the, I think when you write, it's a quite lonely journey and a journey more of self-discovery. While when you make a film, it's a collaborative um, effort, which I enjoy too, because, you know, the, the ideas that I have when I come to set and then, you know, the way the, the scene shapes itself always, you know, often exceeds my expectations because of all the people that are involved helping to shape this scene. And then you go in the editing room and again, you know, you find jewels mm -hmm. and then, you know, then the sound design and the, and the music, all these elements, it's, it's quite fascinating, you know, each part enriches, you know, the, the, the film. And, and, and I like that. I like that, mm -hmm. you know, so many people, um, put their creativity, you know, into this one project and it becomes, it becomes, you know, something definitely, uh, uh, bigger than your script, mm -hmm. you know, richer it's, than your script. Mm -hmm. It's funny. I don't think people phrase it a lot this way, but when you're producing or directing your own film, you're kind of like the boss, you know, or you're, you're in charge. I imagine of a large group of people too, um, you know, kind of showing up to work un underneath you and at your, your supervision. Um, what's that like? Is that, uh, is that like a challenge or is it, um, come easier now, uh, at this point in your careers? Um, first of all, I have to say that, you know, Sabine put a really good crew together. Um, um, so, and we also had a very, uh, you know, the, all the actors were, um, really, you know, not only easy to work with, but, you know, they didn't expect trailers or, you know, they, they, mm -hmm. they had high expectations, which, which is really helpful. And, um, so, uh, I mean, yeah, you, you, you know, you are the boss, but you don't have to be bossy, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you just have to, um, I think you have to be respectful towards everybody that, you know, does, things on the film, including the person that has to clean the toilets or, mm -hmm. you know, throw the garbage away, you know, those really tough jobs that mm -hmm. I've done too <laughs> and Sabine too. So, um, uh, but you have to, I don't know. I mean, I think you have to, you know, ha you have to be a really fast problem solver when you mm -hmm. are on set, you know, especially when you do uh, independent films, you have not much time. Uh, um, you, you know, there are the elements, you know, oh, it's going to start to rain in two, two hours and we have, still have 12 shots to do. You have to be really fast and uh, communicate fast and um, efficient and, um, and uh, yeah, and, and, and you know, be really in the present, mm -hmm. in the moment. I don't know, uh, um, Sabine, you say your part. Yes. What, what I would like to add to this is um, in, a, in film production, it's, 
it's like you you hire a crew and you hire a professional crew and everyone knows what they have to do you know everyone knows exactly where where their job starts and where their job ends you know mm -hmm. for example art department there there are specific people in the art department in i want to say art and pops they know exactly you know when you when the actress needs a handbag, then then that particular person who's in charge of that handbag knows what to do, and no one is overstepping their their job. You, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And that so so that's that's number one that you have to have a professional crew, and and then and in terms of you know being the boss, I. Uh, um, uh, without even talking about it, Anya and me, we have the same kind of style, uh, mm -hmm. and I think that's why we 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 like working with each other. Is um, you know when when I'm so to say the boss of a crew, and sometimes it's a crew of thirty people, sometimes it's a crew of seventy or more than a hundred people. In 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 the case of unintended, we had like approximately I would say around forty uh, on an everyday basis. Mm -hmm. And um, but we, in you have to respect everyone, and um, and with that respect comes respect back and respect to each other, you know, with the crew. So because you have to imagine, within a, sh a short period of time, many different characters come together on the film shoot. You know, mm -hmm. they, they have. They have all sorts of issues. They're one only wants to eat this, the other one only wants to eat that, you know. And, and so, so it's it's all very diverse, and you have to find a very good balance in treating everyone, you know. So to not to step on the other one's toes and to respect each other, and and also to get something some something quick out of everyone when when there's a problem you know mm -hmm. i think i would also add to this you know this when you do an independent film uh the people normally that come on board are people that really like the script so mm -hmm. which is easier because you know if you work on a tv show you know often you you know you do it for money or you know like mm -hmm. you know it's it's a uh, work for hire it's a little different so on an independent film you know, if the people come together, you know, because they really like the project, um, then, you know, it's easier to put your ego a little bit to the side because you can you can focus people always again onto the project. You know, mm -hmm. we're doing this for this project. We're not doing this, you know, I'm not doing, you know, to make the best product possible, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's helpful, um, you know, because you don't earn tons of money making an independent film, you know, also the crew doesn't. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it's important, you know, I, I feel for me, it's important that when, you know, when we hire people and, you know, that they, that they like the script, that they have some sort of, you know, uh, it's, it's definitely helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I could see that with a, a film, uh, with this content too, you know, like having a personal connection, um, to the story and I could see, you know, pretty much anyone being able to, tie their own experiences um, mm -hmm. to the story being told and unattended. Um, 
I wanted to ask you next. So at Chick Flicks, we are always trying to lift up the work of women writers, directors, producers, and actresses. Um, was there a particular mentor or role model in film that inspired uh, you guys when you were first getting your start or continues to inspire you? you know, when I started, they mm -hmm. were mostly, you know, there were a lot of male characters, yeah. <laughs> male directors. So, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I mean, you know, if I think about, you know, women uh, at that time, you know, it was definitely Agnes Varda. Mm -hmm. you know, interesting enough that, you know, the French always had more female directors than any other country mm -hmm. from, from, you know, even from my time. Mm -hmm. um, Denise Clare, you know, did some great movies, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, honestly, I have to say, you know, I... I was really inspired um, by uh, Bunuel and uh, and and um, and Fellini, because mm -hmm. even if you if we talk about you know the dream thing you know that is in my film now you know it's it's these are two directors that actually um, worked you know you know mm -hmm. with with you know th their films are like is this really real you know like um, you know on the edge of um, uh, yeah, dream and, and reality. So mm -hmm. they, they were big influences uh, when I started out, uh, both directors for me. Did you have a certain person who personally was kind of able to, you know, push you or inspire you? No, my family, there's nobody in my family. They were all against it. <laughs> so it was when I came here, it was actually the, the professors that yeah. um, really... Um, encouraged me a lot mm -hmm. um so not too many I, honestly if i'm really honest there was not a female role model that you know mm -hmm. uh, paved the way in some ways you know it was it was mm -hmm. you know it was, i was really educated by guys guys yeah i'm glad that's changing uh sabine what about you did you have um, a particular inspiration i i don't i didn't have a mentor mm -hmm. i didn't have a role model uh, there are a few people that I met along the way and, and my work that I um, that I very much like and 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 respect and um, and I developed a good friendship, for example, with Margarete von Trotter. She is a German director, mm -hmm. um, and some of her movies came out here, and I worked on uh, the New York shoots of of her movies um, in the past twenty years. So, so she's someone that I, uh, you know, because in her case, she was, you know, active in the six, or started her career in the 60s and then very active in the 70s and 80s. And that was all a time when, when there were almost no female directors, especially, in Germany. especially in Germany. So I have very great respect for her. And then there are a couple of producers that, that I met along the way who are older than me and, and they are female and, and I very much respect them. So, but, you know, in terms of a mentor, I didn't have like a real mentor, but I, I think I took bits and pieces from mm -hmm. different people that I met and some were women and some were men. So, mm -hmm. so uh, what's next for both of you? We're developing, uh, you know, like an, a, a feature, and we're also um, developing or thinking of developing uh, um, maybe a, a short 
TV series. Short oh, that's okay. meaning, meaning uh, you know, there will be only one season. <laughs> I mean, I'm ac- I'm in favor of that now. I think a Me lot of too. shows go on too long. It's like the story's been told. We're just dragging it out now. <laughs> well, I also, I mean, I like the I, I like because then you. I really don't know. Um, you know, I haven't written TV shows, but if it's if 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 you think more in one season, then you can, you know, you can actually create an arc for your characters. You mm-hmm. know. Uh, which I like when things come to an end and, you know, I mean, so, mm-hmm. um, so we'll see, we'll see. We're in the, you know, and, and we're, we're looking at scripts mm-hmm. because we're also producing, we want to also produce other people. So um, we produced, uh, we have produced uh, Mickey and the Bear, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, done by uh, Annabelle Atanasio. And uh, it's a really great film with also great uh, female um Mm-hmm. young actress uh, so yeah we're looking also at interesting uh, other projects that you know we can help shape and you know come to you know get onto onto the screen mm-hmm. that's so great um, I guess we'll wrap up now we have a few kind of fast back questions for you guys um, so we'll start with what was the last movie that you saw in theaters I'm trying to remember the last one I saw too it's kind of hard. It was Mickey and the Bear. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Beautiful, good plug. <laughs> good cohesion. Um, and what was your favorite? This might be the same answer, but what was your favorite movie you've seen this year so far? This year? Mm-hmm. Um, I know this is an ambush. <laughs> I think my favorite film is Burning. Oh, yeah burning so far but friday i see parasite so i might uh we're so ready to see parasite <laughs> and lady on fire is supposed to be good so there's a couple of films i know that I'm curious i know. know i keep checking the indie theater in town just refreshing oh i i saw i want to mention the, the last movie i mean besides mickey and the bear i saw the report that um oh i think Adam yeah. and it's very good Oh, good. Yeah. That's awesome. Because, because it's, it's political and um, it speaks a lot about our current, current mm-hmm. situation. And um, so I thought that that movie was very good. Good. Do you have a dream actor or actress that you'd like to work with in a project one day? Mm. I have many. <laughs> not, not only one. Yeah, it it all depends on the character. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. You know, it's. I mean, someone who is an amazing actor might not work for your role that you have mm-hmm. in the next movie that you produce. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, finally, where can people watch Unintended? Well, we have it on iTunes starting on November fifth. So and uh, sorry, November seven, November seven, mm-hmm. uh, and um, and on different platforms and on actually on our Facebook page, unintended for unintended, we there is mentioned that you can pre-order uh, uh, the movie on it will be on uh, and it will be Play. On, on demand also. Yeah, on oh. demand, Google Play, Prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, iTunes, 
and um, yeah, you can watch it. I mean, if you <laughs> you can find it. <laughs> From that's so great we saw yeah. we were googling the film and there are people on reddit going where can i see this movie when is it coming out so i'm happy to hear that it'll be available in many different platforms very soon yeah and it's i think that's part partly thanks to elizabeth who um while we were shooting the film she was cast for this tv show you and you know that really um really blew up yeah it blew up and um and it didn't blow up on TV, you know, when it was, I think it was shown for yeah. the lifetime and they had like 70,000 viewers and then it went on to Netflix and all my nieces and nephews, you know, when they, when they saw, uh, you know, I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's coming out also. Of, that's helpful. Definitely for our little movie, because, you know, we don't have the, the, the money for big marketing uh, campaigns. So mm-hmm. she's, She's, uh, and also Amy, she, I mean, all the actors, you know, actually, you've seen, prob- many of them you've seen in smaller roles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you sort of recognize them and, you know, don't know exactly f- from where, but, um, you know, Amy Hargrave, you, you know, she's in 13 Reasons Why. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That's one of my favorite experiences as a movie watcher is to see a great, like, character actor and, no, like their performance is different, so you can't immediately place them, and then you're yeah. on IMDb, you know, like where is where is it? <laughs> it was also in Homeland, and Homeland, she's the strict sister. Do you oh, remember that? Oh, I oh, I haven't oh, watched uh, all of Homeland, but that's so funny. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Well, thank you both for speaking with us. We've had a really great time talking, um, and I think, I think that uh, we really really enjoyed it. Thank you guys so much. This was a really cool opportunity for both of us. Yeah, great. yeah, thank you. you too. <laughs> Take um, care. Thank well, you, guys. Thank okay. you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. It would really help us out if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod and email us at ChickFlixPodcast at gmail.com. ChickFlix is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Brief Carlson for our music, and thank you for listening to ChickFlix. Bye! Thank you! Hi! The haunted buys we do at the end of every episode. <laughs>